Washington State is a three and a half point underdog to UCLA. Colorado is just a four point favorite against Arizona State. Those lines don't make sense, or do they? You are locked on Pac 12, your daily podcast on the Pac 12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I am your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team-free, but until then, beloved and loaded conference of champions like comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. All right couple lines that confuse me, and I only have four options for the Pac-12 Prime picks that will come on tomorrow's show. Coming off a winning week, got to get it again to get to 500 or uh, better. So here's here's something I don't quite understand. Colorado minus four at ASU. Washington State, a three and a half point dog at UCLA. What, what's happening here? Sometimes I look at a line that Vegas is set and I go, what? Wait, 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 wait. How? How, how are you, what do you, how are you, why, how, what, what do you know that I don't know? Well, I, I, I decided to do some digging. Let's start with Colorado. Colorado is only a four-point favorite at Arizona State. I still love this pick. Uh, I, I still like the buffs in this game. But the reason, the reason the line is puzzlingly low, given that Colorado at their best this year plays a one-possession game, granted at home, against a conference contender in USC and also goes on the road and beats solid Big 12 teams like TCU. And at their worst this year, yeah, they play a road team, a road game against Oregon, a team that they're outmatched against and and Oregon, you know, houses them and such. But at at, at ASU's best, they also played USC kind of tight. Yeah, that's, that's true. I was more impressed with Colorado. But... Here's the thing. I was more impressed with Colorado because we live in a world where offense reigns supreme. It's all about the quarterbacks, it's all about the offense, rules favor the offense, innovation is on the offensive side of the ball. Your best players are, uh, you know, your quarterbacks, your wide receivers, and, you know, your pass rushers. Like, that's where the best athletes tend to go. Those are the highest picks in the NFL, offensive line as well. So Arizona State's defense is sneaky nice. That's the reason why. And they made a hire this offseason that I really liked. It was Brian Ward, the defensive coordinator from Washington State under Jake Dickert last year, comes down to ASU. He is Kenny Dillingham's defensive coordinator. I think he's doing a really nice job. Did you know that the one and four Arizona State Sun Devils, who have been pretty darn bad this year, lost to Cal last week, close game, but they lost on the road, got housed by Fresno State, lost to USC, though they played well, and they got destroyed by Fresno State at home. Do you know who, despite those outcomes, is in the top half of this league in yards per game allowed? Arizona State. How many passing yards a game is Arizona State allowed? Because Colorado is going to throw the football, right? I mean, we all know Shadur Sanders is going to throw the football around. That's what the Buffs do best until this past week against USC. They weren't able to run the ball at all. Yeah, Arizona State allows 212 passing yards per game. That's that's just barely ahead of the Utah defense, 
which many people would describe as the best defense in the Pac-12, with a great defensive culture, a great defensive staff, and some really, really good players. So that's the reason that line is so small. I have more thoughts on that game coming later in the show. What about Washington State? Washington State is the number 13 team in the country. I said on yesterday's show and stand by that they could be number 10 in the country if they win impressively on the road against UCLA. They could be. Numbers 12, 11, and 10 in front of them all play ranked teams or games in which they are uh, an underdog or a single-digit favorite. Or, 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 sorry, a small single-digit favorite. They're all under a touchdown spread. Those games could go either way. And if ASU, or if you, if, if Wazoo, rather, goes down to UCLA, a team that is good, not great, but good, and beats them by two or three scores, you could leapfrog a team that doesn't look as impressive. UCLA was ranked not that long ago. It wasn't that long ago they were inside the top 25. So I think about that. And then I think about, well, wait a minute. Washington State has got two top 20 wins this year. They've been impressive every single week they've taken the field. Cam Ward hasn't thrown an interception. What am I missing here? It's that the Cougars struggle to run the football. And UCLA is allowing 78 yards a game on the ground. Now, Washington State is still number four in scoring in the Pac-12 at 45.8 points a game. That's a lot, by the way. And Cam Ward is throwing for over 400 yards a game to this point in the season. Michael Penix, by the way, the nation's leading passer, is only throwing for 40 more yards per game than Cam Ward. That's a gap, sure. But it, it, it is it as big of a gap as you thought there would be? No. For reference, Michael Penix is throwing for about 150 more yards a game than Bo Nix. Conventional wisdom might put Bo Nix as the number three quarterback in the Pac-12. Cam Ward is throwing for more yards per game, has not thrown an interception. Bo Nix only has one. I think it's about offensive philosophy, but Cam Ward is the point I'm making here. This guy has been very good, and at his best, is really, really good. And the fact that he's going for over 400 a game this year and doesn't exactly have a lineup. Now, his receivers have made some outstanding plays against Oregon State. It's not exactly a passing core or passing attack that features NFL wide receivers all over the place. It's just Cam Ward, who's an NFL caliber quarterback, in my view. So the Cougs struggle to run the ball. Washington State has also been mm, not as great as you'd like to be if you're a Coug fan against the run. What does UCLA like to do? They like to run the football. So that's the matchup here. I think the fact that it's the first Power 5 road game Washington State is playing this year, and it's a big, big opportunity for them. Washington State doesn't run the ball really well. UCLA does run the ball really well. Leads you to where Washington State has been this year, which is they're going to rely entirely on Cam Ward to move the ball offensively throughout the course of this game. Their offensive line is going to have a really tough matchup because UCLA's front four is really, really good. Led by Laitu Latu, who's probably the best pass rusher in this conference for my money. There are a lot of good ones. I would take Latu first if you gave me a draft pick of, okay, anyone in the conference, who are you putting on there? Latu's my pick. So I think that that's why the, the spreads are the way they are. Still makes things highly intriguing, to say the least. So um, this was requested by uh, an everydayer out there, my guy Damien, who uh, wanted some clarity amidst the winners and losers segment. A couple people have kind of pushed back on my assessment of that, which just as a reminder for you know Monday's show, for those of you who will be tuned in at that time, 
it is how I believe the fans should be feeling given the performance from Friday or from, uh, well, sometimes Friday, but uh, most often from Saturday. So we're going to do something on today's show. We're going to look at what I think one extreme outcome would be, as in all the way the best outcome for one team, and what the best possible outcome is for the other. We're going to do that for every single game in the Pac-12 this week. Now, there are only four games, but guess what? (laughs) There are still a lot of big matchups here. There are still a lot of important football games to be played. I know a lot of people, myself included, are looking ahead to Oregon and Washington next week. But make no mistake about it, Washington State has a ton on the line, and the Cougs are up first. eBay Motors. Passion, drive, patience. That's what the best teams in the Pac-12 have showed this year. That's what eBay Motors shows as well. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, I've had the same car for over nine years now. That is definitely how I would describe my beloved Red Rocket. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Gosh, I love me some football talk. I really, really do. Love me a second segment sip too. Okay, so best and worst outcome, one way or the other. Let's start with Washington State at UCLA. Uh, I'll call these options A and B and understand that there's a range in here. There's a range in the middle, which is where I think the game is likely to land. But best possible outcome for one team, best possible outcome for the other team. Let's go with option A, the best outcome for Washington State. If they go into this football game and are going to win by multiple scores, I think they stifle the UCLA offense. I don't think they win in a shootout and pull away at the end. I think they stifle UCLA's offense. Jake Dickert's a really good defensive coach. And Dante Moore struggles, as he did at Utah. Now he's coming back home, but it's not exactly the most ruckus and rowdy home environment in the entire conference. I mean, they've got sections of the Rose Bowl tarped off for some UCLA home games. I hope that's not the case against Washington State. It's a top 15 team. It's also Washington State, not USC. So we'll see how that goes there. And I think that favors the Cougs. And I wonder if the Vegas line consider those sorts of things. I'm not really sure. So... If Washington State's going to win this game big, you hold the UCLA offense to just 14 points. Dante Moore struggles, has a turnover or two, as he did against Utah. The Cougars' offensive line has to hold up and pass protection, straight up. I don't think they have to run the ball exceptionally well, but they have to hold up and pass protection. they got to do enough in the ground game, right, like they did against Oregon State. Eh, you know, three, three and a half yards of carry, just enough to keep the defense honest every now and then. Let Nikia Watson run for first down here and there. Get him involved in the passing game, which I think he's really good at. But the offensive line has to be able to give Cam Ward time to throw the ball. That is my biggest concern for Washington State in this game, is can you block everybody on that UCLA front floor and lie to law to? But if they do that and Cam Ward is slinging it around, and they stifle that Bruins offense with a true freshman quarterback who's still learning to adjust to the speed of the game, 
I think the best outcome for the Cougs is winning 31 to 14. So that's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is Cam Ward starts turning the ball over because UCLA's defense is getting a big push. The offensive line for Wazoo is outmatched by the Bruins, and they're just not able to get a push in the run game. Cam Ward's running for his life. He's scrambling too much, and the Bruins are able to run the football because if they do that, it helps Dante more immensely, immensely. A young quarterback, they say run game is the best friend for a quarterback. Nobody's that more true than a young quarterback who is still trying to have that kind of big breakout game. He's had some good moments, but you know, so far he's played one power five opponent. It didn't go super duper well. So if UCLA is able to run the football, take the air out of it, limit the possessions, keep Cam Ward on the sideline, side I think best outcome for UCLA, yeah, they went like 27-20, maybe 30-20, to 20, kind of in the 7-10 and 10 point win range. But I, I think Washington State is, is a better overall team here. And my prediction will come on tomorrow's show. But I think those are the uh, two ends of the spectrum. Let's go to Colorado at ASU. Option A, the best outcome for Colorado. Shadur Sanders picks up where he left off last week, uh, most notably with Amarion Miller, who was outstanding. You talk about recruiting, making a difference, star power, making a little bit of a difference. Amarion Miller was one of those four-star recruits in 2023. And without Travis Hunter... You know, Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn are really good, but it felt like they needed another guy to step up. And Amarion Miller did just that. And there was an awesome moment, too, where he's talking uh, uh, to a camera reporter or something about how his mom called him crying uh, tears of happiness because she was watching him on TV and he's making all these plays and everything like that. That sort of stuff is so awesome. So Amarion Miller, I think, needs to be involved. He doesn't need to go crazy like he did last week, but just being able to present the threat as I believe Travis Hunter is expected to be out. I have not heard on that front, but if you have Amarion Miller, if you have Xavier Weaver, if you have Jimmy Horn, get them going. But what is what what does Colorado need to do to have success offensively? Oh yeah, their offensive line can't get totally mauled. Well, last week they didn't. Last week they had their best rushing game of the season by a lot. It's going to be tougher against this ASU front. It's going to be tougher against Brian Ward's defense. But if Shador Sanders plays at the level he's capable of, the offensive line gives him enough time, I think the Buffs' offense is too much, and they win this game 38-21, I could even see them winning the game by more. I do. But I think kind of winning the 17-20 to 20 point range, I think that's one end of the spectrum. At the other end of the spectrum... This is only a four-point spread. Vegas thinks the Sun Devils are capable of winning the game. I don't disagree they're capable. I just don't think they will. But what would it look like if they did? Well, first of all, it's going to start with the defense I mentioned earlier, right? The def- the Sun Devils' defense has to be able to replicate at some level as best they can. They don't have the personnel to do it, but what Oregon did. And that started with the front seven. The Buffs couldn't run the ball. The Buffs could not protect Shador, protect Shador Sanders, So nothing they were able to do offensively worked. And that's the biggest weakness for this Colorado offense. It's not the talent at the running back position. It's not the talent at the receiver spots. It's not Shador Sanders himself. It is whether or not their offensive line can give Sanders time to throw the ball. If Arizona State is able to have, I'm not expecting them to do what Oregon did. But if they have success collapsing the pocket, speeding up his internal clock, and allowing their secondary, which I think has played pretty well this year, to get things going, yeah, maybe they can stifle Colorado. We've, we've seen it happen before. I've seen Colorado State do it. 
right? Held them to 20 points until the end of the fourth quarter. That's kind of the game plan here for Arizona State. Now, the other thing they need to do to have the best outcome possible is Trenton Borgay doing enough at quarterback. It's a weak Colorado defense. It's a weak Arizona State offense, right? It is a best on best and worst on worst. That, that, that is absolutely how this goes with ASU's offense and Colorado's defense, and then Colorado's offense and ASU's defense. It is at every point in the game going to be a best on best and a worst on worst. ASU's offense hasn't been great. Colorado's defense, been pretty bad. But Colorado's offense, been pretty darn good. ASU's defense, been pretty darn good. And if ASU is able to ride a better than expected home field advantage, and maybe the bus will generate that sort of hype, I think the best outcome for them is winning 34-27, winning by no more than 7-10. And frankly, I don't think ASU has the, has the firepower to go up by two scores. And their defense is solid. I, I don't think they can hold Colorado's offense to less than, uh, or to, to a score in which they're, they're pulling away by two touchdowns. I don't think the offense has got enough for that, even against the Colorado defense. And I, and I think defensively, they can slow down Colorado. I don't think they can stop. Colorado, at least not the way Oregon did. So those are kind of the two ends of the uh, of the game there. I like this so far. This is a fun segment. Love the idea. Arizona at USC. Big point spread in this one. Big, big point spread at this one. Let's go to one end of the spectrum. What's the best outcome for USC? Uh, they roll because Lincoln Riley teams tend to not lose to inferior opponents. Sure, they'll let them be a little bit closer than uh, they should like Colorado last week, but they, they they don't really lose those games. The games that Lincoln Riley lost last year were to uh, at Tulane that, to be fair, does not have as talented a roster as uh, USC, but was still a very good football team. And Utah and Utah. That's it. That's that that, that th- Those are the only teams that have beaten USC and Lincoln Riley so far. So USC, option A, best outcome for the Trojans. Um... Arizona's defense hits its ceiling. I think it's an improved unit, but isn't able to slow down uh, the Trojans, whether it's on the ground or through the air. The Trojans' defense forces turnovers of whoever's playing quarterback for the Wildcats. Caleb Williams plays like Caleb Williams, and USC wins 52-24. to I don't think this is a USC team that's going to play Arizona and beat them 63-10. to I don't. I have no reason to believe in the USC defense right now. There are real playmakers on the other side of that ball. But can they cover a 21.5 point spread? They can. And I think in the best outcome, they win by 28 to 30 points. What's the worst outcome, though? What's the, what is the worst thing that could happen in this game? Option B. Arizona's weapons, and this is, of course, from USC's perspective. I'll explain why in a moment. Arizona's weapons give USC's defense trouble again because Alex Grinch is, wait for it, still the defensive coordinator. Uh, The Wildcats are able to play enough ball control possession offense, as they did against Washington, to limit USC's scoring chances. And they follow the same sort of script as last week. They execute better in a couple spots. UA protects the ball, and they lose 38-30. I'm sorry, Wildcat fans. I do not believe an upset is possible here. If it was in Tucson, I could listen to the idea, the notion that it may transpire. Given that it is in Los Angeles, Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley are not going to lose this football game in front of their home fans. It's just not going to happen. Can Arizona keep it close? Can they cover like Colorado did last week? 
absolutely, absolutely they are capable because USC does not have a great defense. But Arizona's defense, though improved, I don't think can slow down USC enough nearly to win this football game. So that's USC Arizona. All right, last uh, kind of vibe meter. I don't know that I have a name for this segment yet, but uh, the the outcomes range, the range of outcomes. Hmm, I kind of like that. The outcomes driving range. I'm a golfer, played earlier today. Yeah, I kind of like that. The outcomes driving range. The range of dispersion. I'm trying to come up with different names as I record the show. Because why? Well, I can be a weird guy sometimes. That's just the way it goes. Oregon State at Cal. This one's flying under the radar. Is that surprising anybody? Does it, does it shock you that Oregon State and Cal are flying under the radar as a matchup? This isn't going to be a Reeser. It's not going to be a ruckus home crowd. Heck, it might not even be a close football game. Could it be? Absolutely. Beef's sitting at a 9.5 point favorite. Full prediction coming on tomorrow's show as always. Let's go with option A. Option A, the best possible outcome for Oregon State. What does it always start with? Being able to run the football. Eh, They're good at that. They're quite good at that. Their running backs are outstanding. Their offensive line is awesome. If they're able to do that, in the best case scenario for the Beavs, DJ Uyunglele is able to get comfortable. Doesn't look so rigid. Doesn't stare down receivers. Goes through progressions. Shows off the arm talent. Maybe runs the ball a couple times. I think their quarterback runs with him that they've designed have been really, really good and really effective. If he's able to complete 60 plus percent of his throws, if you told me that right now, it's what Josh Pate might call a padlock stat. If DJ Uyunglele is, let's just say, as an example, if he's, I don't know, 17 for 24 in this game, there's a really good chance that Oregon State wins. If you told me he's like 12 for 24, I'd go, I don't know. That's not uh, that's that that's not great. By the way, I set the bar at sixty percent. That should have been seventy percent. That's my, my my apologies there. But I think that for DJU, leaning on the ground game, get him some easy completions, get him outside the pocket a little bit, and get him in a rhythm. If the defense plays the way they're capable of, what they showed last week against Utah, granted a couple of backup quarterbacks, but they're going against two guys potentially at the quarterback position. It'll probably be Sam Jackson. Um, but, I mean, it, it's it's not it's not the toughest quarterback that they've gone up against this season. It's not exactly Cameron Ward on the other side of things. So if the defense plays the way they are capable of, the Beavs can win this game pretty comfortably, 27-10. to 10. I think that would be the high end of it. I don't think Justin Wilcox and that Cal defense – will let Oregon State get things absolutely rolling. And I think the best outcome for the Beavs is their defense, as was the case last year, leads the way to a comfortable win, and the offense just does enough. Now, what is, what is option B? This is a curious one. This is a, this is a curious one. I thought about this for many, many minutes, and I thought, well, there's this. Well, but there's that. Well, what about this factor? Well, what about that factor? What about that factor? What are these factors you're talking about, Spencer? Option B, Cal's defense this is the best outcome for the Bears, has another good week and makes DJ Uyunglele struggle, who, by the way, has not exactly been dazzling in any of the last three weeks against San Diego State, Washington State, and Utah. Has not been the DJU we saw week one against San Jose State. If that guy shows up, if week one DJ shows up or week two DJ shows up, 
Yeah, that's that's going to be a guaranteed Oregon win, Oregon State win, and probably a cover as well of the nine and a half points. But that's on this end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum, because we want to have all the ranges covered here, is Cal's defense has another good week. DJ Uyungle throws a pick or two, struggles to complete passes at a high clip. Jeremiah Hunter and Maven Anderson find success against this Oregon State secondary the way that Washington State did. I, I think the Cougs have got a couple of really, really nice weapons. I think Kelly's a good player. Kyle Williams is a good receiver. They both had big days against this Oregon State secondary. Cal is playing at home. And I can make the case that coming into the year, I would have picked Maven Anderson and Jeremiah Hunter over Kelly and Ant or Kelly and Williams up at Washington State, who I think have been great this year, but they have a superior quarterback. And there is an inferior quarterback in Sam Jackson compared to Cam Ward playing down for the California Golden Bears. But Jeremiah Hunter and Maven Anderson, those are good players. You know who else is really good? Jay Knott. Oof, boy, that is a good, good football player. Tough. He and Isaiah Afonso, they're just really, really good. They just run hard behind a not great offensive line. Better, not great. So if Jeremiah Hunter and Maven Anderson get loose and things you know, the same issues that plagued Oregon State up in Pullman plagued them in Berkeley. Yeah, I think the worst case scenario for Oregon State and the best case for Cal is the Bears scrapping out a victory 27-24. It would have to be close. There's not going to be a reverse blowout here. There, there can only be a big win and a large margin of victory in one direction, and that's in favor of Oregon State. But if the Beavs are not on, not not firing on all cylinders defensively, if Sam Jackson is comfortable and making throws and taking shots, don't sleep on those dudes. Jeremiah Hunter, Jaden Knott, those are really, really good football players. They have to get the ball in the structure of the offense. They have to get the ball delivered on time and on target from their quarterback. But if they're not able to disrupt Sam Jackson the way they weren't able to with Cam Ward, yeah, I could see Oregon State losing the game. Do I think that'll happen? You'll just have to tune in to tomorrow's show when I'll go through full game predictions. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.